ease to the headphones. We're recording live from the 617. Thanks for listening to us today. You could have been listening to anything else right now, but you're listening to us, and that's awesome. That is awesome. We appreciate that. Thanks for joining us today on The Business of Being Awesome, the podcast for the practical daydreamers who believe in finding meaning in their work. Hey there, Bazoba Ballers, and a special hey to those of you who are hearing this right now at our podcast and chill finale party. We're really glad that you've been listening to us over the last seven-ish months, Mm -hmm. and we couldn't be more grateful to your support in this audio endeavor. Needless to say, we think you're awesome. So if the feeling is mutual, subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app, and share it with anyone you know who you think is awesome. Yeah, and as always, you can follow us on social media at Bazoba Podcast. And if you're looking for a little spring in your step, because it's finally springtime. Finally. I I hesitate saying this in Boston, but (laughs) if you want to feel like spring, even if it does decide to snow in the next couple of weeks, (laughs) please search Bazopa Power Songs on Spotify. You'll find all our power songs from our guests in seasons one and two. And recently, with graduation coming up, I've been getting a little nostalgic and listening to like The Dog Days Are Over from Natalie's episode, season one, episode three. Um, Classes, assignments and schoolwork dog days really are over. <laughs> they are, and uh, we are playing that song at our last event. Oh, yeah? Uh, Rolling Sloan's band, yeah. So the dog days are over. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, this is it for now. End of, of course. Words, for now. <laughs> for now. This is the end of our second season. The next time you'll be hearing from us on air will probably be after we've graduated, which is really insane. So, Erica, do you have any moments of awesome to report since this is our last episode as the run-up to graduation? Moment of awesome! Yeah, so earlier in May, I received a peer and faculty-nominated achievement award for community and communication-oriented work at school, and that was extremely moving and seriously awesome, but the real prize was seeing the last edition of the yarn the storytelling event i've run mm-hmm. for the last two years at school and it started in this small like dingy coffee house room on campus it's called the coffee house but it's like a gross old like 1950s conference room i um, remember that like yeah maybe 40 people were there in september 2014 and then the one in may uh, just a few weeks ago it was a full house there were people sitting in the aisles and never <sighs> had a sense of legacy about anything before and this is the first time I felt that and it was so special incredible what about you I loved it I was there for your award ceremony yeah proud parenting <laughs> <laughs> and for you singing and uh, you're gonna be yeah, at a convocation too I'm a singing so yeah so my moment of awesome is relating to the singing so we just did a flash mob uh, <laughs> with the Rolling Sloans. All of the lovely females of the Rolling Sloans got together and did two flash mobs of total eclipse of the heart. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which, as if you, you, like, go back and listen to that song, because it is just so inherently dramatic. It and makes the, no sense. Also, oh, that music video. No, the oh my god, the music video with the glowing lights yes. as eyes. Yes. Anyways, aside from the music video, it's very dramatic, and the lyrics are just also insanely over-dramatized, and so we clearly played the part and disrupted some lunches. (laughs) Worth it. (laughs) Worth it for our our Sloan Follies, which I guess is 
kind of like a, the comedy end of the year show. Yeah, like the Saturday Night Live of business yeah, school. Yeah, exactly. Woven of awesome. Yeah. And then we also have our busy being awesome mm-hmm. hashtag segment to highlight people in the world who are doing awesome work. I'm busy. Busy being awesome. And this episode's Busy Being Awesome is really anyone who's graduating as a member of the class of 2016, high school, college, grad school, wherever we did it. We Loi know. Simos, yes. Explorer would say. Simos. We know you've worked extremely hard to get this degree, and we are right there with you and ready to wrap things up and celebrate. Yeah, and the podcast didn't take up the whole of our MBA experience, but even in like the last, you know, three months of this season, we've learned so much from our lineup from social media influencing and Kanye's quest to break the <laughs> internet with Sonata Raw. So great. Oh god. Startup challenges and team building with Tess Brooks and Comfy, nurturing your life outside of work with Jimena, finding your voice, literally, with Kieran Gandhi, and doing cool shizin with Mickey and thanks. <laughs> And in the spirit of graduation, new beginnings, and re-entry into the workforce, super excited to say that we have the awesome Zainab Tan on air, whose Twitter blurb pretty much says it all. Operations prof researching how companies can make money and provide good jobs. Mother of four kids. And you and I have actually met two of them in class. They're pretty They're adorable. adorable. They, were, they were giving their opinions and responses to the case questions yeah should mercadona pay out bonuses to its employees and one of them said yes and the other was like no no bonuses no bonus for you it was so great too when classmates would support either point i I recognize one of the children was just like haha like they supported me and it Mm -hmm. was just great some sibling rivalry there. So yeah, Erica and I were both in Zainab Tyne's Management of Services class this spring. Life-changing course focused mostly on how retail companies and other service organizations can do their best work. So where a lot of companies believe in growing and succeeding at the expense of customers, employees, and investors, Zainab's research supports a different argument. Companies are most successful when they create value for all three of those stakeholders. Yeah, and good people and good processes, they make all the difference. And going back to Zainab's kids, you'll hear in this interview her focus on the importance of family and personal life, not as separate things from work, but are as integrated into her work. And as we've heard in this season so far, you're, you are worth more than your work, and your life is most awesome when you're surrounding yourself with and prioritizing awesome people who support your dreams. So without further ado, in our season two finale, Bazova is proud to feature the awesome Santa Claus. Today, the business of being awesome is proud and pleased to welcome Zainab Khan. Zainab, welcome. Thank you. We took Zainab's class, Management of Services. I can't stress the quality of this class. So thank you to Zainab for all the preparation that you put into it. And we're really pleased to have you on the podcast. Thank you. So now I should start with an awesome cold call and ask you what you learned in the class. <laughs> Spoken like a true professor. Sure, that the companies that are worth working for and are doing the best work are ones that invest in not just their customers, not just in their investors, but in their employees as well. 
Awesome. (laughs) Yeah, and I think I would say too, a big takeaway was, you know, you can say that you have these values, but in order to really live out those values, you have to make a lot of big commitments Mm -hmm. to really build up your organization to be able to execute operationally on those and actually have continuous improvement built into that. So that was a really big learning for me. And for anyone who is listening to this and has fear of missing out from not getting your MBA at MIT (laughs) Sloan, you should pick up Zainab's book, Good Job Strategy, which is available on Amazon and wherever else you like to procure your books. (laughs) Hopefully without a phantom stock out. (laughs) So Zainab, if you'd like to, I guess, introduce yourself however you like, maybe in the ways that listeners might not otherwise know you and share a moment of awesome from your week. So I am from Turkey. I have four kids, uh, ranging from two and a half years old to 10 years old, who keep me very busy. (laughs) And um, I'm married to an awesome Nicaraguan. (laughs) And I teach at MIT. I do research and teach my students. So that's, I guess, in 15 seconds what I do and who I am. Awesome. And a moment of awesome from the week. Moment of awesome. Oh, this week was so full of moments. I mean, on Monday, we had a class about a startup that creates value by taking care of employees and also creating operational excellence. And bringing the young CEO to the class to share with my students was a moment of awesome. Wednesday was our last class. Mm -hmm. And before that last class, I asked the students to provide your top 10 lessons. I think, Erica, you turned in your top 10 lessons. Mm -hmm. And the moment of awesome for me was to read through them Mm -hmm. and see how consistent their answers were. Um, And I started crying as I was reading them. It was was wonderful to see the value of the work that you put into the entire semester come through from your student was great. Thank Thank you you for an awesome semester. Uh, yeah, and, and I think, too, so you've, you've told us about who you are, and tell us a little bit, too, about how, you know, you've gotten here and what, what the journey has been like. We see people, and we see all the successes and yeah. accomplishments. and Yeah. Actually, it's, it's funny, because how I got here professionally and personally, mm-hmm. um, when you look at the cause, it's, it's kind of similar, because yeah. volleyball is how I met my husband, oh. and volleyball is how I got to the United States. So I grew up in Turkey. My father was, uh, is an engineer, but he was also a professional basketball player and he was oh. a basketball coach oh, wow. when I was, me, my brother and I were growing up. So we always want to be athletes like him. Mm-hmm. Uh, my brother played basketball. He played for Davidson College right before oh. Stephen Curry, who broke all his records. Wow. Um, <laughs> that, that's a hard. So, yeah, that was, that's a hard. Uh, and he's still, you know, coaching basketball. But I, I played volleyball um, very competitively starting from sixth grade. And I oh, barely wow. went to high school in Turkey because I played for the junior national team. We traveled all the time. And when it came to time for college, my mm-hmm. dream was always to come to the United States. My uncle was here. There were some other personal things. But I got a viable scholarship from Penn State. So that's mm-hmm. how I got here. And again, my dad was an engineer. I always want to be an engineer. Um, I studied engineering. And after I did my undergraduate, I fell in love with academics. When you don't go through school for three years, um, at least three years of the, of the high school I had in Turkey, and you come here and you say, wow, I can play volleyball and go to school at the same <laughs> time. The college gives you that environment. I was very fascinated. And after college, I applied to graduate schools. I got into Harvard, so I did my doctorate, mm-hmm. and then um, I started teaching. But 
during my doctoral program, mm. uh, I went to the gym one day, Shad, at Harvard Business School, and it was a volleyball practice. And um, that's where I met this guy from Nicaragua. Very oh. handsome guy <laughs> who played. He and I were the only players who played before. And that's how um, oh, wow. I met him and we got married. And now I have four. Uh, I wouldn't say awesome, but four kids. <laughs> <laughs> There are moments where each one of them is awesome. There are moments of yes. awesome with your there, children. There yes. are moments of awesomeness, <laughs> but it's a lot of work. I think every mother would agree with that. Yes. I think one of the most awesome things I witnessed in class was the was it the swearing jar where you'd ask one yes. of your children for 25 cents every time he swore. <laughs> yes, and it works. It, re, uh, it, it worked in our works. home. Yeah. Yes, Whoever says in incentives class. don't work, they just work too well. <laughs> and you have to be careful how you use them. Yeah, you even used it on our guests. <laughs> on that's right. Monday class. He did not give me the 50 cents. <laughs> oh, really? Okay, well, so. he has a debt to pay. Although, so speaking of this incentive, so we have this thing about at mm-hmm. home, if you use a bad word, you have to pay 25 cents. And I did tell my children that at in our classrooms, we use the same rule. And then my son says, it should be more than 25 cents for adults. <laughs> <laughs> I think he has a point. He does have a point. Next year, I'm going to move it up to like $2 or something. (laughs) I think that a lot of people, though, even when they go to college or they fall in love with academics, uh, don't necessarily want to be teachers. So I guess what motivates you to be a teacher as such an established scholar? And why do you love teaching? You know, I wish I could say that I always want to be a teacher Mm -hmm. and this is what I dreamt of. But that's really not true. You you get into a profession, you learn about it, you become better at it, and then you become more passionate, and then you become better at it. I think that's a, there's a virtuous cycle. So for me, it started with getting into the profession, doing research, because as a doctoral student, you don't do research teaching at all at Harvard Business School. You just you just learn how to do research. Mm-hmm. And when I started teaching for the first time, I just fell in love with it. Mm-hmm. I was horrible at it. I mean, I was <laughs> the, the first couple of months, my students complain about me, how mean I, I was so young and inexperienced mm-hmm. and and I wasn't on top of the content like I am after so many years. <laughs> um, it was hard, but then it turned around and it was just so joyful to see how awesome it could be when you have that relationship with your students that they know that you have their best interest in heart Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you know that they're helping you out. And when you create that, uh, I think it's wonderful. Now, so in the first few years of teaching, I was just trying to survive in the classroom to make sure (laughs) that in front of 90 smart people, like I I, I could do fine. But now teaching is the last five, six years or so, it's become really special because mm-hmm. now what I teach is my point of view. Mm-hmm. And I used to hide that from students before. I would say, oh, this is the case. I should just stay true to those case facts and mm-hmm. just do you know, what other operations management scholars would teach. But now I have a point of view about how to run a good business. And I want to impart that point of view on my students. And I have a huge belief that my students will do amazing things in the future. That's what motivates me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I believe in the mission of the school principled, innovative leaders who will improve the world. And that's what I do, you know, why I do what I do. So I'm counting all of you to yes. change the world for, uh, for the better. 
We will we will take that charge on. Yes. And I think, yeah, that I, I do. I, I totally believe that too, this whole point of view concept. And that's that's another thing is like I, I do think a lot of times personally, I think we we even at the start of this podcast were like, oh, we have to be more sort of balanced and and I think what makes your class so valuable is that there is this point of view and you're not afraid to state it throughout. And I think it's very valuable. But if you think about it, our school should have a point of view because we have Absolutely. a mission. Yes. Right. So every every course should have that point of view and it should be aligned with the mission of our school. And this is not just our school, but every other business school. There is no Absolutely. business school that says that our mission is to teach our students how to maximize short-term profits, <laughs> right? It's yeah. always about making the world a better place yeah. through business, but you have to, and it is very possible through very profitable businesses, right? That's, the, that's what the whole course is about. And I wish we taught more of this in every mm-hmm. subject, in finance, in marketing, in operations, in accounting, because it's very aligned with making a lot of money, but we can stay true 100% of the time exactly. to our values while doing the work that we do. That's so true. Yeah, and another thing too that, that I think we've really connected with is this point that you make of your personal and your professional career not really being separate, but really your values being what drives all aspects of your life. Yes. And and we've heard this a lot too with other guests. Mm-hmm. And I think this whole thought of finding meaning in your work is really, again, fulfilling your all aspects of your life. Yeah, to have a fulfilling life, you need to have fulfilling work. Mm-hmm. And and I, I don't believe that one person should have separate values at work versus mm-hmm. separate values in their life. Yeah. If, you, if integrity is one of your values, you should stick to it 100% of the time in your home and at your work. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, that's, that's how I think about it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess before we dive into the discussion of challenges along your journey. I do want to know from all of your time in teaching, I guess, what are moments that stand out to you as particularly joyful ones? If you have to you know, pick something outside of our class from this past <laughs> teaching, semester. Teaching moments of awesome. <laughs> oh, teaching. You know, it's funny because the first thing that comes to my mind is teaching moment of like opposite of awesomeness. Painful <laughs> moments that I remember. Mm. I, Somehow, those are the moments that stuck more in my head. I mean, one of my teaching moments of awesomeness was my very last class at Harvard Business School. Um, It was the last time that I was teaching there. And at the end of my class, so I did my normal spiel. I gave my lessons and I was about to leave the classroom. And then the students say, said, please don't go. And then they brought a huge bouquet of flowers. And then one by one, so many of them got up and I'm going to cry now. <laughs> but so many of them got up and talked about what they learned, like personally and professionally mm. from that class. And it, it was beyond words. I mean, that was probably the most special moment that I had in my classroom. Yeah. And then there are little moments all the time. Yeah, that's that's a great one. And we're, we're so lucky to have you, mm. you know, take all <laughs> here at Sloan now. Mm. And, and yeah, another point, too, I'm curious of is because you said you started out not necessarily teaching this point of view. What in particular made you, you know, build your curriculum around this point of view and what went into that decision? Or even finding your voice around what you yeah. felt you had to say. I mean, I had, a, as, as I mentioned in class yesterday, an inflection point in my life where mm-hmm. initially my objective was just to get promoted, to get tenure, to stay in, you know, 
to get lifetime yeah. employment from <laughs> from my school and then I didn't get it and it was a huge disappointment and a huge shock but it was a moment of evaluating mm. what it is that I was doing what's my purpose and at that moment I realized that I could make a huge difference using my platform as a business school professor to make a difference in the world, a positive difference mm. in the world, to change the luck of others. And, and I think business is an amazing profession that could affect the world for better. So that's when I decided that uh, I'm going to use the classroom, the speaking engagements, everything that I do in a way that changes people's mind about what it means to run a business and hopefully inspires them to, to be change agents. Mm, yeah, we talk about inflection points and, and failures and, and yeah, I, I mean, I think everyone in our classroom connected so much. And I know you shared this, this, I guess, failure yep. or really it is an inflection point. And I, I identify too a lot with that because, you know, maybe certain career things in, in our very short careers at this point, not having worked out, looking back. When something doesn't work out, it it actually really caused me to reevaluate yeah. a lot of things that I believed in because you know for a while I was thinking investment banking, but if you're not in it for the right reasons, it yeah. it's not it's not right. Yeah, you look at great companies; they have a very clear sense of purpose, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? And that's written everywhere and people know what they're trying to accomplish through their work it's not the task that they do it's fulfilling that purpose is what you know one of the things that motivates them yeah and it's the same thing with life too if you have a very clear purpose of what you want to accomplish then making choices becomes easier yeah yeah absolutely yeah i love what doug i guess former president of trader joe's had to say if, like if you are going to fail and you are going to have these struggles like yeah fail on your values absolutely yeah That's because i realized that my failure in the whole tenure process was horrible because i did not fail on my values i failed by trying to get tenure if i mm -hmm. failed by trying to change lives of people it would have been a lot more meaningful mm -hmm. um and i wish i had done that but I learned something from that failure. Hopefully, my students, knowing what I learned, won't have to go through that to learn from it. That's mm. one thing about continuous mm. improvement and learning. It's sometimes much nicer if you learn from other people's failures and <laughs> learn from uh, your own. Yeah, absolutely. Would you say there were other, I guess, critical moments in your life that like defined you either from a success, failure, family, work, another perspective aside from, I guess, 2009? You know, f that was an inflection point from a family point of view. So we live in Boston. Mm -hmm. My family is largely in Turkey. My husband's family is largely in Costa Rica or Nicaragua. We have no one here. And we realized that we both grew up with lots of cousins and family around, and we realized that we're not going to be able to provide that opportunity for our kids. And we said, okay, then we should have more kids. <laughs> um, but after, after our second, um, I had multiple miscarriages in a row. And this is something oh, yeah. that people don't like uh, talking about. But I think that's because I became older. Mm -hmm. um, and you always think that these things will never happen to you. And you delay certain things in your life. But as I reflect on my life, I mean, I don't know if this is an inflection point or not. But if there is one thing that I would have changed about my life, it would have been to have kids earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, when health-wise, 
it's just much better for you. But yeah, that was that was an important learning. It's not actionable for me, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. but at least mm-hmm. I share it with others now so that it could be actionable for them. Yeah. And right. for people listening. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, another thing, too, that I know we talked about in our last class yesterday was this concept of luck. We had this case, Jai Jai Kumar, Kumar, if anybody would like to look up this case. We can put it on Facebook as a link to, or somewhere on social media for people to access it. for us to do that. (laughs) True. Yeah, you can put a link. We can? can Okay, good. Aside from that, we talked a lot about this concept of luck and how, you know, we, we have the luck that we are born into and we can't necessarily change certain circumstances. And there's also this other element of luck, which I think you even mentioned um, a little bit before on this interview is is creating opportunities for for luck. So I was curious to hear about your point as well from the class because I know we got a lot of classmate opinions about this about this concept of what luck is. Yeah, I think who you are born to, mm-hmm. um, your capacity for hard work, your intellect. Mm-hmm. These are some of the things that you don't choose; you are given. And some people have a much better start in life than others because their parents are, they care about education. They have the social economic means to send their children to good schools. And and you are born healthy and you are born with this capacity for working hard and, and, and you have intellect. So I think those are the things that come with it. It doesn't mean that everyone who has those will achieve Mm -hmm. success. There are lots of examples of people who are given all the opportunities and they go nowhere. But I think combination of that with hard work, discipline, hard work, hard work, hard work (laughs) is what what creates success in life. But to think that it's all about hard work and to to, Mm. to think that the luck part doesn't matter is just just ridiculous. Mm. Um, Yes, and and everybody gives examples of people who come from very unfortunate Mm -hmm. backgrounds. Right? Oh, they didn't have the parents there. But those are a small portion of the people who become successful. So I think recognizing the role of luck in our lives, mm-hmm. having humility, and having the opportunity to be able to give back to others who are not as lucky is so important from my perspective. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think it's a perspective that's shared among young people now. Yeah, there is a Toni Morrison quotation I read recently that because you were born free, you now have the obligation to free somebody else. Yeah. And yeah. similar thing, because you were lucky, it's not your obligation to help someone else on the, with their luck. Yeah. yeah, and I always felt in my family, so my on my mother's side, my grandmother was an amazing woman. She, re- she lived in the eastern part of Turkey in the city called Kars, um, which is not progressive at all. She ran for mayor. She oh, lost wow. it. Yes, she was the... Um, head of a uh, football soccer club. She was the president of so many organizations. And every time we would go visit her, she would have some activity. There would be a kid who has an illness and she would make a party and everybody would have to pay and raise money for that. So I always thought, I mean, she was an amazing role model. And I always thought in my life that I'm the most educated person in my family in terms of years of education and the least impactful in terms of, you know, when I look at my grandmother or my mom who who does a ton of things. So that was at some point recognition that Mm. I have to change, right? I have to, I have to use what I learned from them and what I have learned from all these years of education to improve the luck of other people. 
And I see that as an obligation. Some people say it's not an obligation, but I just see that as an obligation. Yeah, that I mean, that's a huge thing, too. And I, I think someone even said during class yesterday, and I identified a lot with this, is you see your parents, you see your family, just like how much work they put into it. Like I came from a, you know, first generation immigrant family. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it is. It's 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 both inspiring. And also you do feel this sort of mm-hmm. accountability to live out this process and um, in persevering and, and really mm-hmm. sort of trying to make a difference. Yeah. So I guess switching gears a little bit with all the things that you do, mm-hmm. we realize that you have four kids, yes. speaking engagements, teaching classes, research, research managing writing. students and case writing for <laughs> more research. What keeps you grounded? What keeps me grounded? I think my family. I know that's a very short answer, <laughs> but that's... Um, that's it's it, probably yeah. my family. And and also setting an example for my kids about mm-hmm. how to live life. Yeah. Happy, meaningful, healthy. Yeah, I think it will have to be my family. Yeah. I loved the story that you shared the other day, too, about um, doing the workout tapes with your kids. So taking care of your own <laughs> yes. health, but also getting to play with your kids and spend the time with them. And that even things that you're doing for yourself are things that you can share and set an example for. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the thing about, you know, work is at work, life is at home is home is, is not something that I really subscribe to. So mm-hmm. I share my family with my work. I mean, my kids know where I work. My <laughs> students know who my, <laughs> if I go for, you know, if, if somebody is introducing me, they send me a bio, like this is what we're going to say about you. And I say, but you didn't say that I have four kids. Uh, you, that's the most important thing about my life. And mm-hmm. people tend to, describe you as just your work things and not your family yeah but you're a whole thing yeah right you're not just work you're not just home so i try to transcend those boundaries i guess between work and life and that's what works for me and it's cool because i can you know before class i share with my students tomorrow we're going to talk about this and my son says are you going to teach mercadona again (laughs) um but they know what cases are that way i'm you know, thinking about the cases, thinking about preparation, but sharing it with my kids and yeah, sharing the workouts, <laughs> trying to leverage that as much as possible. The choices, you know, it's it's fun because the operational choices that we talk about <laughs> yes. inside our our class are some of the choices that I also use at home. So obviously, so I work and my husband works, which means that we have a lot of people who help us, right, with four mm-hmm. kids. And the people who work with us, they're cross-trained. Like there are no <laughs> specialists. Just on, so they they do multiple things. I always operate with Slack because mm, I know that there the are capacity. uncertainties. Some people might get sick, so we have lots of standardization <laughs> and empowerment. So so the, the the same choices that we cover in businesses actually <laughs> how you run your life work yeah, yeah work well uh, at home as well. That's awesome. I'm definitely going to start implementing some of those (laughs) yeah so i guess what is next for you zainab as you're looking at the next few years do you have any sort of plans new books (laughs) family trip (laughs) (laughs) yeah there are i mean family trips all of those things um we have we are thinking of what to do next certainly taking more vacations with my kids we we decided that a couple years ago and now for spring break we always go someplace and for you know in the summers we go to turkey and then in the winters we Mm -hmm. go to costa rica where my husband's family is so it's a we try to create experiences for our kids 
But I think from a work point of view, I'm at another inflection point now mm-hmm. um, because there is so much demand to create more good businesses. Yeah. Um, and, and I want to find out what is the best way to be able to leverage my position to make more of a difference. Yeah. And I think research and speaking alone are not enough. You also have to act and change yeah. organizations, but that requires time. So I'm trying to figure out how to um, create an organization yeah. or something that could leverage what I could, what, what I do to change more organizations. That's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. And I guess it's like you're scaling this model or point of view of the good job strategy. And it is the timing is so right. I mean, you look Mm -hmm. at the election, the politics right Mm -hmm. now. Right. And you see how divided the country is and you see how much anger there is from people. Mm -hmm. And part of the story is that median wages have not been increasing for decades Mm -hmm. and people are upset because they don't feel that they are getting the benefit of their work. And it's not, you know. Bringing back manufacturing is not going to solve it. That's not the problem. Mm -hmm. The problem is we have to reinvent the service industries. And the problem is we need to look at those industries and make those jobs better jobs if we want to solve some of our economic inequality problem. And Mm -hmm. that's exactly where I've been doing my research. So I think from a timing perspective, um, I'm lucky, right? This is the part of luck. I mean, the book came out at the right time uh, with the right title, which... The good job strategy would have never been my title. My title was was the bad jobs fallacy. (laughs) Total opposite. But it was the the acquisition editor from Amazon who suggested the good job strategy. And I said, oh, I'm I'm not a strategy person. Like, I would never put strategy in a title. And he convinced me. And I'm so grateful. (laughs) Because now it's like a brand good job strategy. So, yeah, I think the the, the timing is so right. Yeah. something bigger hopefully will happen during the next few years. I feel like your worst case scenario, you could probably even start an operations consulting firm with all of the second year MBA students who are really interested in your work. I mean, I could I could see that. I don't know. Yeah, I'm thinking true. about it. You yes. should sign us up. It would be, <laughs> yes, it just, they, it has to be their firm and they manage it. Like I have no time yeah. to... Um, <laughs> to manage yeah. it. So that's like, the, yeah. It was like a we'll town strategy group could be in the we'll works. See. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's exciting. Yeah, that's really great. Yeah. yeah, so this is, I think, one of our favorite parts of yes. the interview that we do. We call it the power segment. And Lily has a great piece of like, music that goes with you'll, it. You'll hear it. We have um, it. Yeah. Anyways, we don't sing it. We, I, uh, I do kind of sing it. There, there power, are some... segment. power segment. Power segment. Segment. First question is, what is your business superpower? So you I don't have that. one. I don't think so. I don't know. I think I don't you do, though. You what may- is it? I don't know. But your business superpower, I think it is. I think Imparting wisdom. Yes. Which is I not true for everyone in business. I think you're very effective at inspiring and, and, and communicating your point of view. That's okay, so it's communicating my point of view. Yes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and what would you say your power song is? Like if there is a song that like gets you up in the morning, gets you ready to seize the day, night, whatever that is. Is there a song that you associate um, with yourself? <laughs> there is no specific song. This is actually something I thought about. <laughs> this was my whole preparation for an interview. But there is no song. But every day. So this is a routine in our home. Every night. After dinner, my older kids clean the table 
And then you go to the TV room, all of us. Mm -hmm. And from youngest to oldest, each kid chooses a music video. Oh. And because we don't let, you know, we don't turn on the television during the weekdays. But Mm -hmm. then Carlos and I are both tired at the end of the day. So we figured, okay, maybe we can find something that's kind of fun. Mm -hmm. And one Thanksgiving, we have huge Thanksgiving dinners. One of our family members had... um, all the single ladies. And then my <laughs> daughter loves, she was two years old at the time and she was like in front of the television. But not every night we go from, so the youngest one chooses the first music video, the mm-hmm. second youngest. And then when we have friends over and we usually have somebody over in our house um, yeah. for dinner, they get to pick one too. So That's we transition. So whatever it is that my kids choose during that week is what's in my head. And okay. what I'm so and it changed from we started with all the single ladies. Yes, the 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 but then there was a duck song to duck climb up to the lemonade stand and said to the man. And then oh my god, and then there's a gummy bear. I oh am my a god, gummy so bear. And then my languages. son, my youngest one. Oh god, Lily, <laughs> get ready. It's so silly, it's so horrible. But then my youngest one has a dance, gummy bear dance, so it's because I am a yummy bear. Yeah. Gummy bear. <laughs> Anyway, I, I know um, it in Spanish too. Yo soy oh, loso gummy. Oh yeah, we saw so many so versions of it. And then, like oh, I would say, that there. was a while. It was Adele when Hello came. Oh, but yeah. then my kids Every are child. no. But we, I think we've watched Hello once. But we watch is Hello from the Dark Side. <laughs> oh, yes. there's I've a seen the Star Wars. Wars. <laughs> um, and we had Shake It Off for a long oh, yes. time, Happy. Those are my favorite. I think Shake It Off and Happy are my favorite. Yes, but now yes. we're doing like 21 Pilots. Oh yeah, they're um, And the something dragons, Imagine Dragons. Imagine Dragons, yes. So those are, yeah, it changes. <laughs> but whenever they're listening I to like this, it. You're staying current through your through yeah, your this is you very know, contemporary. I used to be, so I will tell you something funny about so, so my very first consulting project was with a company called BMG. Mm-hmm. You probably don't. It was a part of Bertelsmann. They I did, do know I BMG. Do know BMG. <laughs> they used to send cassettes and, and they used to send cassettes and um, CDs after the CDs were available to subscribers like yeah. every week or every month. It's like the Netflix with yeah, yeah, so yeah, you with would CDs. get oh, so, so my crazy. consulting project. That's this crazy. is how uncool I am and how not current I am with the popular <laughs> culture. So I'm a doctoral student and this consulting project is about forecasting demand for their products mm-hmm. and we got a ton of data that has the sales information for every CD. And we're presenting the analysis. And I said, you know, there's one that is such an outlier. Um, And then they said, which one is it? I said, I don't really know how to pronounce it, but it is (laughs) N-S-Y-N-C. Because I I just could not put all those uh, letters together. It doesn't make sense. And then they said, you don't know NSYNC? I said no. <laughs> so that's how uncool I was until having kids. Until, now my kids are keeping me very cool with the songs. That's a good strategy. I like yeah. it. And every this is every night that they pick up. Every night video? we do oh, this. Wow. Every night. And there are some nights where it's dancing. Some nights it's just listening. Yes. Some but workout. Every video single nights, night yeah. we do it. Oh wow. That is amazing. I mean, when That's I was such a good routine. When I was their age, I think an InSync song probably would have been the one that I'd have picked for yeah, sure. NSYNC. Do you now know InSync? Like bye bye bye. No, <laughs> I know their name now. I know how to pronounce it. <laughs> it's okay. You didn't miss too yeah. much. Justin Timberlake. 
Justin Timberlake. I know him. Okay. Yes. Good. 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 The yeah. only Insync member who still matters. Yeah. This is true. Yes. This is true. No and Justin Bieber. Justin He's Bieber. He's not in Insync. I no. know, but I know that Justin too. <laughs> Justin. Just yes. so you know. Justin. Bieber. We had some classmates actually who recently went to the Justin Bieber concert. So. And dyed their hair for it. And dyed their hair blonde. Some of our classmates. True believers. <laughs> really? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Good so. for them, I guess. <laughs> Um, may the force be with them. <laughs> may the force be with them, exactly. There can be miracles when you believe. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> Puns are over. That was a Justin Bieber thing? Or? Believe. Believer. So his like his oh. followers are known as believers. believers. Oh, okay. And I... You see, that I, my kids don't like Justin Bieber, so I don't know. Good, good. No, this is good. I mean, I'm, I'm yes. And I'm making the joke from, like, the, uh, the Prince of Egypt soundtrack that I was listening to and watching when I was probably, like, 10 years old. Oh, um, yes. I do. I know that. There can be miracles, mm-hmm. you believe. Whitney Houston and Mariah Whitney Carey. Houston, yes, Iconic. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners Yeah, any on words this podcast? of advice? Final parting words as we part with this institution. Yeah. It's given us so much. This is our finale. I know. Yeah. Well, enjoy your life. Make it matter. Make it meaningful. Uh, make your work matter. Invest in your families and continuously improve very nice well said very well said well thank you so much Stan of Tan. it's been a pleasure and pleasure is mine thank you for having me thank you so much Once again, was Zainab Tan, rock star professor, dedicated mother, and mission-driven thought leader. As usual, we've got some Bazooba bullets for you before we go. Number one. Continuously improve. It's far easier to be mediocre than it is to be excellent, and that's true for both your work and your personal life. Number two. Invest in your family. And I think that can mean as much your direct relations or the people in your life that you would call your family. Number three. Enjoy your life. Make it matter and make it meaningful. No, really. Enjoy your life. We are huge proponents of this on this podcast, on air and off air. And uh, do what you love. You're worth it. And before we go, we'd like to leave you with a quote of awesome that guides each of us in our lives, since this is our finale for season two and we're graduating. And these are some things that we hope you'll remember as you're off on your adventures in being awesome before we reconnect with you on the air in season three. Yeah, so mine is a quote that I found in a New York Times article by Arthur C. Brooks. It was an article called Taking Risks in Love. So the quote is, Courage means feeling the fear of rejection and loss, but pursuing love anyway. So I thought that was really nice. Yeah, I like that. How about you, Erica? Mine is from my favorite author, Ray Bradbury, who I think of every time around graduation, he passed away the day I graduated from college. I think I remember you saying that, yeah. Yeah, and so I feel like I want to pick up his cross and live his mission because he's one of the most imaginative authors I've ever read. Fahrenheit 451 is probably, and the Martian Chronicles are best. Yeah, probably his I best love Fahrenheit. Books. Yeah, it's so relevant. Man saw the future. But the quotation is, um, if we listen to our intellect, we'd never have a love affair. We'd never have a friendship. 
we'd never go into business because we'd be cynical. Well, that's nonsense. You've got to jump off cliffs all the time and build your wings on the way down. Yeah, I love that quote. Yeah, I love that. <sighs> Sigh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess on a more uplifting note, but no, that's like a really empowering quotation, right? Um, because we did this last season, the finale, we also want to offer up our power songs for season two to close out the show. Yeah, Erica, what's your power song for season two? I feel like I should say something from Of Monsters and Men or El King since yeah. like that's what the concert that sealed our fate together that is true. was. Did we ever talk about that concert? It was at the, oh my the God, Greek the Greek theater in LA. It was beautiful and they were amazing. Yeah, the last time I felt like the tingly feeling of this is where you were supposed to be and what you should be doing uh, was out there. And I honor that all the time. Um, But that said, when I think of the song that's really like moved me this year and during our season, it would have to be Sia's Alive or Cheap Thrills. Stop it. That's my power song. One of those? No, well, okay, so Alive... I yes. love both of those. Like, Cheap Thrills is just, like, such a catchy, amazing, mm-hmm. we don't need dollar bills to have fun tonight kind of a concept, so That's I love true. that. But I, you know, I have totally been jamming on Sia. She is so powerful in everything. Her voice, her message. My power song would have to be Bird Set Free, which That's is the first one. one off of her album. Yeah. The newest one. Yeah, the newest album. Did I ever tell you I saw her in a subway in New York City? What? Did she have her hair, her black and white wig? Not yet. This was years ago before people knew who she was and when she was still underwriting things um, oh for other people. Goodness. I think it was right around 2008 when she put out like Some People Have Real Problems. I love Some People Such Have Real Problems. Album. That's where I fell in love with Sia. And this is before any of, you know, any of the like Rihanna hits and the David Guetta collabs and all mm-hmm. of that. She's just so real and amazing yeah i feel like that would be my like advice for those listening um go back and listen to her albums before titanium uh she is one of the most brilliant lyricists with the strongest voices out in the industry yeah so great i love that we both have sia i'm just going to put together the best sia playlist ever anyways time to geek out (laughs) but yeah before you go if you haven't already please search and subscribe to the business of being awesome on soundcloud or itunes get connected with us on instagram facebook twitter at bazova podcast to your heart's content we'd love to stay in touch with you this is our final episode of the season, uh, but you know how to find us. Catch up and listen. Um, we'll be working on our newsletter and our website in the next few months, so you can find all the Bazoba action in an organized, up-to-date hub. That'll be a big move for us as we graduate. We'll actually have some time to improve our listener experience in terms of our like online content, so yes. get excited. Yep, our website as well. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be a big, big, I think improvement and investment so any suggestions you have to help us make season three awesome as we change up our format and continuously improve Mm -hmm. in line with Zainab's Bazoba Bullet let us know who you think is out there busy being awesome hashtag hashtag and let us know what you thought of the last season and where you think we should go next by emailing us at bazobapodcast at gmail.com yeah so until next season Get social with us at the Zoba Podcast, and remember, life's too short to be anything but awesome. We love you. Hashtag Zoba. wings, I was a broken thing. Had a voice, had a voice, but I could not sing. You'd want me down. I struggled on the ground. 
We should just do a blooper reel. Let us know who you think is out there being... Damn. Let us know. <laughs> <laughs> Who's out there, Lily? Who? Who is it? Who's busy? Oh, Jesus. Let us know who you think is out there. <laughs> Aliens. Aliens. <laughs> is he sync. Awesome? sync is out there. Oh, no. Okay. Ready? I'm sorry. This is a <laughs> Rockstar professor, dedicated mother, and mission driven. Blah, 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 blah. Mission driven. Articles featuring people in the business of being awesome that we think you should know. Uh, we'll be tagging and sharing them in this segment, for which we've changed the name from Know You're Awesome to This Is Being Awesome. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and this. <laughs> I was like, she'll just keep going. Hello. Just lies and don't cry in your Ah, hello. Okay. 